the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. It's hour two. The number is 888-528-2557. We're on every day from 3 to 5 right here on uh, KKLA in Los Angeles, KPRZ in San Diego, and uh, wherever you can get those stations on your mobile device on uh, your favorite radio app, you can do that. You can also watch us right now on KKLA.com. Lots of places to uh, to get our show. We're on every day from 3 to 5. Did you see me on Fox News last night? Yes, it's true. If you've heard that uh, rumor, and I heard from everybody I knew, I was on Fox News. I was not. Uh, I was on the entire episode of uh, the Sean Hannity program after the debate, and I might have been on some other stations. I don't know, but I was. I was there because I was in the background in the spin room, and uh, I couldn't even move. There were you know hundreds of people in there just pressing in to uh, talk to the candidates and. And I was uh, staking it out to see. In fact, if you want to see it, go to KKLA.com. It's on our live stream right now. You can see one of those pictures. And, uh, you know, people are here on Fox News, all these people. Uh, I thought I'd talk about that, uh, what the spin room is about, and maybe some other things in that experience. Did you watch the debate? Uh, I'll bet that most of you didn't. You know, I I don't I haven't seen any ratings in or, you know about that, and uh, it was it was kind of a mess. I want to give you some uh, some thoughts I have about uh, whether or not it's real important or not. This is North Dakota Governor Doug Brugram from the spin room talking about the debate afterward. Well, I, I think again, I mean, it'll be interesting to go back and watch the tape because somebody said, "Oh, here's the time people got. Were they counting all the crosstalk? Was that half of it?" I mean. The people that lost tonight was the American voters because if they if they don't get a chance to actually understand who's on the stage and what they stand for, I think that's a big loss for the voters because the voters decide who's going to move forward in this campaign, not not you know not televised cable clickbait debates. So Doug Bergman is frustrated that he didn't get enough time to speak, and if you watch the debate, it seemed like everybody was talking over each other anyway. It was uh, chaotic, I thought, at different times. In fact, something that uh, Vivek Vivek I think it's Vivek. Ramaswamy said was, uh, you know, I'm sorry that, uh, hey, you're speaking over my interrupting you. I thought that was pretty funny, actually, but you can kind of barely hear that. Hey, you're you're speaking over me as I'm interrupting you. That was a good line. I don't know if that was on purpose or a mistake, but it was good. Anyway, it was kind of chaotic. But I remember being there and thinking about a couple of things. And uh, it was great, by the way, that uh, we were able to do the show uh, from up there. I hope that was fun for you. We had a lot of calls and uh, a lot of interesting thought about the importance of voting and uh, the importance of our, our Christian commitment um, to doing what God's allowed us to do is to take that vote. 
Um, but the, the spin room, what that is, is at the end, that's where all the candidates go and they call it spin because basically the idea is they're going to come in there and tell you that they won the debate or they're going to try to change the conversation that's going on in the news and going on on social media. If you didn't watch it, you probably have some opinion about it because you heard something somewhere. You, you watched a news broadcast about it today, or you watched uh, something on your TikTok machine, uh, TikTok was attacked a few times in the debate. And then what I thought was really interesting is TikTok was one of the advertisers of the debate. So you got people on the stage saying don't have TikTok, and yet TikTok was the advertiser uh, of <laughs> of the debate. Uh, that's, uh, you know, for anybody who thinks they're going to get rid of that app, that's probably not happening. Anyway, um, so the spin is to go out there and try to shape the the narrative, to shape the conversation. So they set up this room after every one of these debates where all the candidates and their representatives come and all the TV networks and the radio shows and everybody's in there. And you hope to get some kind of soundbite. You hope to have some kind of influence over what people talk about. And so one of the things that was probably the most interesting is, you know who the, the number one person was in uh, – in the spin room yesterday. Wilbert, who would you say, of all the people, all the candidates, who got the most time, who got the most attention and the most time in that spin room yesterday? What would you say? I honestly don't know. I'm going to tell you who it is. It's, who is it? It's this guy right here. I take offense at our policies and strategies. It's the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who showed up at the Republican debate in the Simi Valley and went in the spin room. He was in there in the afternoon, two hours before the debate. And he got all the attention and he stood in there and he just criticized the Republicans and criticized whatever put his agenda forward. And I mean, everybody paid attention to him and he was exactly what you would expect him to be. So you're saying future Democratic nominee, future Democratic nominee, uh, uh, Newsom, Gavin Newsom, which I think is I think that's why he's there. Right. And then at the end, all the other candidates are in there and it's and it's Newsom. Who is in there? This is one of the things that he had to say. So somebody who's just in there, they asked him this question, and uh, this was his response about what the debate is about. And I wonder if you agree. I bet you do. His number, the number, by the way, this is Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Governor Newsom at the debate yesterday in the spin room spinning. Governor, what do you think is going to be the takeaway after this debate from the American people? I think it will be clear that Trump comes out the dominant force after this debate. I mean, this is the XFL. He called it the XFL. I thought that was a funny, funny line. The XFL is this competitive uh, sports league to the NFL. And the reason why I have to uh, explain that to you is because uh, nobody knows about the XFL. I mean, even who owns it. And what's that? Do you know who owns it? I don't even know who owns the XFL. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, he does. Yeah. Well, he needs to promote that a little bit better. Maybe he needs Taylor Swift to date one of their people. Because now everybody knows about the NFL. Jersey sales will go up by 400%. Did you know about that? That Taylor Swift is dating, uh, what's his name, Kelsey on the uh, Chiefs. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. And that's true. His jersey sales went up 400% uh, just because uh, she showed up to a game and uh, apparently is dating him or is... uh, Apparently uh, ticket sales went up too. Hanging out with his mom, you know, and suddenly, you know, uh, if uh, if your girls are interested in the NFL all of a sudden, that might be the reason. Uh, right there. Uh, not to say girls aren't. And I apologize to one of my friends in particular who runs a she runs a seminar. Her name is Suzanne. She runs a seminar. It's NFL for women. And she does this at churches. And the whole idea is you don't have to leave the room. Here's what the game's about. Here's what you can talk about. And it's amazing. 
really amazing thing to do. I should have her on to talk about that at some point if she's doing that. All right, back to the back to Newsom. He's so he's he is suggesting that uh, the winner of the debate is Donald Trump, and then he says this: the dominant force after this debate. I mean, this is the XFL. This is JV. I mean, and honestly, I mean, this is maybe maybe a vice presidential debate. These guys are getting lapped by Donald Trump. It's not even close. It's not even interesting. And I think what's most interesting to me is, do they recognize that? Or are they actually going to show up and run against the guy that's in the way of their prospects to be the nominee? It's a zero-sum game. It's a binary choice at the end of the day. It's not a ranked choice voting. So either these guys come after the front runner and distinguish themselves, or otherwise they're wasting everybody's time. And I say this with love and respect. There's a reason some of the advertising is being discounted for this debate. People don't even want to tune in because they know that fundamentally. So that's Governor Newsom, Democratic, uh, I say, candidate for president. He's not saying that, but he is he is situated in such a way that if Joe Biden says, I'm not running, he will immediately be ready to go. I mean, the same minute, within a second, he's ready to go. He's doing that on purpose. So he shows up at the debate. Here's some spin. So he's in the spin room. He's getting... Um, as much or more attention, actually, than anybody, okay, in the spin room. He's going around. He even got on Fox News. So Fox News shows it's a Fox debate, so they had the, the primary seat in there, as CNN will or MSNBC if, whenever they do a debate, uh, if they do. And uh, he even got on that show because he's going to have a debate with Ron DeSantis coming up uh, November 30th. And, you know, why? Why These two guys, uh, DeSantis is running. If Trump drops out, DeSantis is likely to be the guy. Or if they catch him, uh, there's other reasons that could play out, I guess. But, uh, you know, the rumor is, here's the spin. To show you what spin is, the spin about Newsom, and this was the murmuring in the spin room, is that Newsom wants Trump to be not only the nominee, but he wants Trump to win unless he's running. So if Newsom's not actually running, the reason that he wants Trump to win is not ideological, actually, but strategic. And here's here's why. Because if Biden runs and he wins, uh, most people do not believe. Statistically, math will tell you there is a really good chance he will not complete his term. He just will be too old. He will not be able to do it. And that will make Kamala Harris the president. And she'll be – if that's the case, then she'll be the nominee – as the sitting president in 2028. And if Biden survives two years and then she becomes president, she can run in 2028 and 2032, meaning that Gavin Newsom doesn't get to be a candidate until 2036, 13 years from now. So you got to think strategically if he wants to be president, this is it. He's got to challenge Biden now or he's got to wait for him to drop out or he has to hope that Trump loses or Trump wins. Because if that happens or if Biden wins, I guess it, if, it probably doesn't it, you know, if Biden survives the term, it won't matter. But if Biden doesn't, and most people think he won't, uh, then it matters a lot. He's out. So if Trump wins, well, then the 2028 campaign begins immediately, and he's the front runner. See, that's what spin is. Nobody knows if what I just said is actually in Gavin Newsom's head. Well, he knows, and there probably are people around him who know whether or not that's true. But what people do is they do this spin, and they they push up their candidates. So you listen to all of these speakers in this room speaking to whoever will listen about why their candidate won the debate, about what this means for whatever. And here's another – here's a thought that I had for for all of us, thinking about 
the fact that God is in control of everything, okay, thinking about that, all of this hoopla and the craziness of whether or not this debate even matters, you know, if Donald Trump becomes the nominee, then that's true. All of this is the vice presidential sweepstakes or it's a see who gets to be what cabinet member. I think that uh, Doug Bergram, who you'll probably not hear about uh, after this debate, uh, he had a lot of great things to say about energy. If Trump wins, then he's the he, – I, I will promise you he'll be the uh, Department of Energy head. He's right on with, with that subject. Uh, and that's what they're in there to do. But here's something critical to remember. And this is important, whether you're thinking about whatever candidate you like or you've got really a lot of passion built up in this. These guys can't do magic. They're just regular people. They're regular people. They, they breathe the same air you breathe. They deal with the same life stuff that you deal with. And they just happen to be in this position where they have power or they have some clout or they have uh, ambitions that are different than other people. But they're still people. And we put so much pressure on them or so much of our hopes upon these guys, I think, that it is it leaves reality. I remember when Barack Obama was running the first time and I made a remark about the same kind of thing. I don't remember what the context was completely, but I was in the kitchen at the church and a lot of people were talking and I was I was talking about some of the praise he was getting because there were these kids choirs singing songs to him and a whole lot of stuff that was really unusual for an American president. And I said, you know, he's still just a he's just a guy. He's just a man, just like anybody else. And somebody who was in there who was a supporter of him, she says to me, Well he's really not just a man. And I thought, no, he, he is. Barack Obama's just a guy. He's going to uh, grow old and he puts his pants on one leg at a time. The same thing that we always say. Uh, that's true. One day there will be, he will pass away like the rest of us and there will be a funeral. And, you know, what did he accomplish? Did he accomplish everything he wanted to do? No. Did Donald Trump accomplish everything he said he was going to do? No. There's, there is this sense that we are electing people who are sometimes above us. And this is not new. This is actually old. And it reminds me of a story. Uh, you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show, by the way. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. You know, do we put too much importance on whoever it is that we support for president or for any other political role? It reminds me of this story. Maybe you've heard this or maybe you haven't. Uh, the, there's a Viking king, okay? His name is uh, Canute. And uh, not only is he a Viking king, but he was also the king of England. He was the king of Norway and Denmark. So he created a united kingdom of those countries uh, back around 1000 AD. And uh, it was said of him, this is what people said of him. They said that he was so great that he could command the tides of the sea to go back. That's what they said of this guy. So that's, that's what I'm talking about now. Do we ever think that our candidates are so great that they can command the tides of the sea to go back? Uh, when Canute, this guy, this guy was a uh, religious guy. He was Christian, although some people, including contemporary Christians at his time, didn't think he was Christian. Okay, so a lot of debate about where his faith really was. But he understood Christianity, and that's where he would say he would land as far as religious belief goes. And of course, when you are kings of countries back then, uh, that defined religion for everybody else. He certainly was aware that he was, in fact, unable to command the tides of the sea. 
right? He was certainly aware, as much as he might have liked that, as much as he might have, they probably put that on a banner somewhere, or on a, they probably had a big hat, and it said, uh, so great he commands the tides of the sea to go back. That's what he was known for. But there was something that he did that was very clever. He knew his limitations, even though some of his supporters seemed to be unaware. So this is what he did. He had his throne carried to the seashore. And he sat there at the edge of the ocean in his throne, and he had it done deliberately at a time where he gathered a bunch of crowds to come. And, of course, you have this king who is coming out who is known as somebody who can command the tides of the sea. And he's aware of this. He's a good politician. He's aware of what people are saying. But he's also aware that that's too much pressure even for a a king like himself in that era. So he gets his throne down right there on the beach, and he sits there. And he had to do it right at the time where the tide had come in and was about to recede. And he sat there and he commanded the tides to go back out. And lo and behold, as people watched, they went back out. But his point was, and it's actually a really good point, that the deeds of kings might appear to be great in the minds of men, but they're nothing compared to the power of God. That was actually his claim that he said about that. And I thought that's, you know, that's something that is very smart for a guy to say. You know what, uh, whatever you think I'm capable of doing, I'm actually not capable of commanding the sea to go in and out. Uh, God can do that. And whatever power we think is going on in Washington or, or Sacramento or anywhere else, it's nothing compared to God's power. And that's why our trust and hope needs to be in God's power. I thought about this a lot yesterday. And maybe it's because of all of the, the hoopla about this, the idea of these are going to be presidents. You're at a presidential library. You're at Ronald Reagan's presidential library, who was, you know, if you were alive during his presidency, you know it was a different time, and he was a different president. And it was, you know, if you go through that library up there, which I think is, I recommend it for everybody, you know, you see a different kind of leadership and a different vision for America, a different vision for all kinds of things. You also see a man of faith who believed in God and his testimony is up there. And, uh, you know, it is on your mind, the country, the direction we're going, obviously we're having a debate. And then you watch the debate and it kind of gets out of control. And they don't talk much about the economy, which I thought was crazy because it's on Fox Business. That's the station. And I thought it would be all economy because it's the business station, right? It's going to be economy and those things. They didn't get into a lot of that. Anyway, uh, something to keep in mind is you, whether you watch the debate or whether you're into it or not, you should be paying attention. Our votes come up. You're going to get your ballot in the mail in February. Did you know that? What is that? Dece- you know, January, December, November, October, four months a little over four and a half months, your ballot will show up in the mail for California's primary in March. So it's time to start thinking about it. It's time to pay attention. I don't know what's going to happen in the presidential races. I've got some thoughts about it. And I'll tell you what, in that room, too, people, uh, there were more people, people disagreed. I asked a lot of people, um, what, you know, do you think Biden is going to be the candidate? And that was a lot of the conversation, I think, because Governor Newsom was getting a lot of attention in the room. And people had mixed feelings about that, you know, uh, as far as predicting. These are all political types, right? And, uh, you know, I also noticed that there were a lot of young people in there. If you look at the picture, there's a lot of people, you know, kind of middle-aged like myself, but there's a lot of younger people in there. And um, I thought, you know, this is a, it's a whole different generation who's very excited about all of this. 
Uh, 888-528-2557 is the number. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We're talking about the debate. Our show was up there on the mountaintop yesterday. Wanted to get your thoughts about it. And yes, I was in the spin room and uh, you saw me and you also saw uh, Julie Hartman, who guest hosts for, young woman who guest hosts for Dennis Prager and she has her own podcast. Uh, she is right there. She's next to me and some other people. And the thing is, you know, somebody said to me, you stood there the whole time. Why didn't you move around? I, you know, their answer is I couldn't. There were so many hundreds of people pushed against me in that room and against us. There was nowhere to go. And the funny thing happened is I'm sitting there and I'm watching the, it's the Sean Hannity show in front of us, right in front of us. And I thought to myself, that camera is pointed right at us. And unless the light, the lighting is such that we're just too much in the dark back there, which is how that's set up sometimes. I thought to myself, we're going to be right there on this screen. And I said to Julie, I said, you should be prepared that you're going to start hearing from people because I think we're on TV right now. And I'm not kidding. Right there, I got a, I got a text from Jose on our show. Is, he, is Jose back there? Uh, he, uh, he stepped out. He sent me text with my picture on it. He goes, Are, is this you? And right then, Julie got something from her mom who said, you need to smile more. <laughs> and uh, the whole night, I'm getting stuff from people. Is this you? Is this you? Yeah, that's me on there. I couldn't move. Um, I'll tell you what, though. I had a strategy, and the strategy was to stick around long enough to see what candidates are going to hang out. And uh, I had a lot of great interactions with people. I met Tim Scott. I did not get an audio recording. He stuck around. And I'll tell you what, he was very kind. It was great to meet him. I met him once before several years ago. And he was being dragged out of the room by his people. And I'll tell you what, he was tired. He was exhausted. You know why he's exhausted? Because he's just a guy like the rest of them. All of the other people had left. Sanders was gone. Haley was gone. Pence was gone. They didn't even stay very long. Chris Christie never even showed up in the room, actually. The only guy left was Vivek Ramaswamy, who's 38. And he was there to close it out. In fact, there were so many people surrounding him, I couldn't even get up to him. And there was hardly anybody left in the room. Uh, and he was just answering whatever question he wants because he likes to do that. But, uh, you know, interesting experience. But at the end of the day, none of these people, if they become president, are going to be able to solve all the problems or do everything that they can or do everything that they want, even if they turn out to be a great president, even if they are fairly well, comparatively successful. That's not where the power is. The power is with the Lord. It is God who has the power to control the seas. It is God who has a plan for whoever is going to win the presidency of our country. It is God who has a plan for all of those things. That's where our hope belongs. So whatever you think with all this, you got to be involved. I want you to be involved. You should pay attention. But don't forget that the power is with the Lord, not with any of these people. All right, we've got to take a break. And uh, when we come back, uh, another bill just passed this afternoon that is going to change the price of your uh, Big Mac and anything else that you might buy at a fast food restaurant. And it probably means you're going to buy from a robot. That's what I think. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can watch us on KKLA.com. You can follow us on social media right now. Just look for at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Thursday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Continue. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. An emotional event this morning for more than half a million fast food workers in California.
Governor Newsom signed AB 1228 into law, giving fast food cooks and cashiers a raise to $20 an hour. Now, it begins April 1st of next year. The new law also establishes a statewide council which will develop minimum standards for wages, working hours, and workplace conditions. How much are you willing to pay for your fast food meal, for your Big Mac, for your Whopper, for uh, whatever it is? You know, what's your favorite thing at uh, fast food? You know, I'm probably a double-double at In-N-Out guy and, uh, you know, or a Chick-fil-A. I like the I like the Chick-fil-A deluxe sandwich, although I should be eating the grilled one. Both I like, actually. And, uh, you know, but what's the highest that you're willing to pay? Have you thought about that? Give us a call, 888-528-2557. I say that because now the workers in fast food restaurants in California are going to have, starting April 1st, April Fool's Day, $20 an hour. That's what the uh, law is on. You're going to start off at $20 an hour if you're working at uh, Mickey D's or one of these places. The reality, though, is that you're going to get $0 an hour because you're going to be replaced by a robot. Do you know that? That's the reality. The reality is... I don't think, and the reason I think that, and this matters, this matters, and we, and we want to look at issues like this on this show, because you know what, that sounds great, $20 an hour. There's people listening right now, and you work in other other industries, you're not getting 20 bucks an hour. You know, I mean, it's, uh, and I get it, I get it that this state is impossible to live on, and I'm I'm a proponent of the notion that if you have a full-time job, you ought to be able to afford to live somewhere, right? It should be what they call a livable wage. I I don't think that's wrong to think about that. I think the problem is not the minimum wage because the only thing that's going to happen is many of these people who need these, they call them low-skilled jobs. It doesn't mean everybody working there has low skills, but sometimes you just need a job that you're going to school for or something that's very simple. And those jobs are going away. And they're going to go away and get replaced by higher skilled jobs, people who are robot technicians to fix the robots that break down that actually are going to start serving your food. And if you doubt me, it's already happening. Did you know that McDonald's this year already in Texas opened up a restaurant that is fully automated? Almost nobody, no human beings work there. What's up, guys? This is McDonald's first automated restaurant with no workers. And I'm going to show you how it works. So when you walk in, there's no one working at the counter and you order whatever you want on the screen. Sometimes they have these robots going around bringing your food to you. And if you want to go through the drive-thru, you just order ahead online. Then just pull up to this special lane in the drive-thru. And this is how they deliver the food to you. So what do you guys think? Do you like this new system or no? So that's the new system that they're going to. Why is McDonald's and other organizations developing this. The uh, White Castle restaurants, uh, we don't have too many of those out here, but they are replacing the fry cooks already with a robot that can make all the fries and all the onion rings and all the fried treats that you can get there. A robot is doing that. That is no longer a person. You know why this is happening? It's because 20 bucks an hour, that's why it's happening. It's because for at some point, it's just And I would even argue that, gosh, as companies, we shouldn't do that because we should have an ethos in our business mindset that part of the reason for having a business is to make sure that people have jobs. I think that's I think that's important. That should be our mindset. But I often wonder when we have these artificial increases in salaries, whatever they are, you know, why not pay them thirty dollars an hour then? 
You know, what does it actually take? I think that in Los Angeles, you have to be making $80,000 a year. I read recently. I'm not sure what they all put into that, but they said if you're making, you need $80,000 a year to actually be able to afford everything you need. And I think it probably includes a car payment. It includes a few things that you could cut out. You know, you don't really need the cable TV and you could have a, a cheaper cell phone. You probably need a cell phone, but you may not need the smartphone, right? There's There's multiple things you can cut out of your budget to lower that number, but still it's pretty high. So why don't we just pay everybody that amount? That's, I think, what some people would say. Yes, you're right, Pastor Scott, we should do that. The reason why is because people won't pay the price of that product or service that you're offering, and you won't have any money, and you'll have zero income. That's the reason. So, and we're seeing that. You wonder about this inflation that's going on. It's a big part of it's the national debt because they're pouring all kinds of uh, printed money and the goods and services have to catch up to that. That's just how the economy works. But it's the same thing. If you, why not just pay everybody a million dollars? Why, why not? Why not just pay everybody a million dollars who works for a McDonald's and everybody else? Seems compassionate. It's not because everybody's bills will go up by a million dollars if you do that. So my question for you is, how much are you willing to pay? Because that's really where this is going to come down to. It's going to come down to how much are you willing to pay for a fast food meal for you or your family before you stop doing that? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I went to this place a few weeks ago, and all I wanted was a breakfast sandwich. And they had these little breakfast burrito things. That sucker was tiny, and it was $15. And I didn't order a drink or anything. $15 for a couple of eggs and a tortilla, and, um, you know, I think it had some chopped up ham in it that was probably not high-quality ham. Tasted good. I thought it tasted really good. They put a little bit of cheese in there. I could make that on my own, though, for, uh, you know, maybe a dollar, maybe less than that is what it would cost at home if I made the same thing. You know, how much are you willing to pay? for these meals. And do we realize this as a society that that's the, that's the tipping point, right? At what point do you stop going out to eat because it's too expensive? The food costs that we are all dealing with also are a big deal in this inflation. Just go to the grocery store. It's unbelievable. You are paying uh, as much as a third more than you were paying just about a year and a half ago. And the gas price is going up over $6 now in L.A. What's, I think it's six twenty nine is the average in L.A. Went up 12 cents again overnight. My friends, these things are, are not things that we can ignore. Because at the end of the day, these things, and that's amazing to me. I did an interview yesterday uh, with uh, somebody on another show. And we talked about this. We talked about how we need to take these issues and think about people who are on uh, how things impact us financially taxes and especially things like energy taxes, especially things like the gas prices going up. Because for many of us, we're hearing this conversation and you've been shocked. You've gone out to eat somewhere and I've had this almost every time I buy food somewhere, almost every time I go out with my family, we say, you know, let's go uh, get something after church. Stunned at how much it costs. And we cheat too. I'm, I'm at this point, you know, where and by cheat, what I mean is instead of just getting the, uh, you know, the drink fries and the burger or whatever at some fast food joint, we've just gone to the place where it's like, you know what, we're going to get four burgers for the four of us, and that's it, and we'll go home. We'll have a bag of chips and some water at home. That reduces the price quite a bit, but it's still, even if you got $4, you're probably for your family, and all you got was the burger in fast food. You're not getting out of there probably for most places for less than 25 or $30. I mean, that is outrageous. 
how often are we going to do that? And if you buy the fries and if you buy the onion rings or you buy the extras, you buy the Coke, or if you're my kids, you got to have a shake, right? Um, the shake's like $13 on its own. Um, not quite that high, but I think it's getting there. See, eventually you're going to stop doing that. And when you stop doing that, when a certain number of people in the population decide they can't do that, all of the people who just got that big raise will start losing their jobs and they're going to lose them to robots. And you see this in the McDonald's. They're already developing it. At this McDonald's, they keep saying, if you Google these McDonald's, it says no people work there, but that's not exactly right. Because one of the videos I watched, there's at least one guy in there who's there to help if there's a problem, right? If the machine breaks down. And they obviously have robotics guys who are there. But the way it works is you just walk in, there's nobody at the counter, there's no cash register, it looks deserted. You punch in your stuff on the screen and a computer will, the 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 machinery will cook your hamburger. They will make it. It'll be probably the same every time. It'll taste good. It'll be all put together and it makes the fries. It pours your drink and then it just shoves it out to you. And if you do it on the drive-thru, you can just do it on your phone app. So you just sit at home. You say, I'm going to go to McDonald's and you order on your for, your your phone app. And then you drive to the drive-thru and there's nobody there with a voice you can't understand. There's nobody there who is going to say, there's no one, there's none of that going on. You just Say on your phone app, I'm here. It figures out who you are, and it, by computer, brings your food across the driveway, drops it down this little, uh, you know, this shaft that they have there, and you get your food. No people are there, are involved. That's coming, my friends, everywhere. So I'm, I'm watching this thing today where everybody's celebrating this fast food thing, and I know, and people are emotional. People are crying. They're so happy about this, and I get that. If you're one of these workers... I know you're struggling. I know it's hard, but this is not the solution because you're going to lose that job. That job is going away. How many supermarkets are getting rid of the cashiers? That used to be a very well-paying job, super well-paying job, actually. Maybe it still is, but that's why it's disappearing. How many, one supermarket I go to, they didn't have any um, of the self-checkout things. And now just a couple of weeks ago, I go in there and I'm surprised they went from having zero to 10. They cut half of their registers out. Now, they only had one register open half the time anyway, which is part of the problem. I don't know why they have all those registers in these supermarkets if they're not going to use them. Uh, but this, well, it's because they can't afford it. That's why. And Costco has your own. I mean, you, you go in there and usually you're buying a whole bunch of stuff. But if you're like me, you don't. You buy just a few things. That's great. I love it. I can just go in there and use the self thing. But somebody's fired because of that. We have to think differently as a society because it is important that people work. It is important that there are jobs that can sustain people, but that they actually work. There's dignity involved in that. There is so many things that are included in why work matters. And from a business ethic, we need to have the ethic that part of the reason for our businesses is not just for our profit. It is to make sure that people in our community have work to do. That's better for all of us. So... You know, I'm glad some people get paid more, but the prices are going up. How much are you willing to pay? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Pastor Scott's show will be back as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Why should parents not 
know if their kids are transitioning in school. It's a hell of a thing. You're talking about about 1% of the population. Climate change, its impact 100% of the population wasn't even brought up. And we're talking about trans issues. Here in California, we're this is an issue for you. It's a big issue for parents. This is a front and center issue. Why yeah. issue for parents? Yeah. 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 It's the great, it's the great, this is one of the greatest distractions. And it's classic. 1% of the population in the United States, these kids just want to live. These kids just want to right, live. Go and we're having a debate about trans issues at the Reagan Library. It's a big shame. That is uh, Governor Newsom in the spin room after the Republican debate yesterday. And uh, I mentioned earlier that in that spin room, he was the most prolific person in there. And people asked him a lot of questions. And what I want you to hear there is somebody asked him about parental rights and the trans issue and those things going on. And the way he spun it is to say, we're talking about 1% of the population and those kids just want to live. But he didn't address the issue of parental rights, which is actually what this issue is in the schools. It's just about do the parents of those kids have the right to know what their kids are going through? Do the parents of the of those kids have the right to be involved in their health care and all those kinds? Of, that's the issue. He doesn't want to argue it. They turned it to climate change and other stuff. And, you know, Part of political spin and part of the things that we do that are dishonest um, are, you know, it's part of what humans do. It's part of what we do. Remember when Jesus stood before Pilate and, uh, you know, is it true that you're the uh, king of the Jews? And uh, uh, Jesus says, yeah. And Pilate at some point says, what is truth? And, you know, back then they were having the same kind of argument. There was political spin and there was cynicism and other stuff. I want to share this verse with you. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. And one of the reasons that truth matters is even what we were talking about before the break is that it's great that uh, we're talking about the the new law in California that will give fast food workers a minimum of $20 an hour. Uh, The minimum wage in the state is still only 15 and a half. And uh, it's going to be incredible. I mean, there's going to be lots of people who have had jobs for a long time who aren't paid as much as the guy making fries. And my argument is that it's going to lead to nobody or those people making zero dollars because they're going to be replaced by by robots or the company will go out of business because at some point you're not going to buy that Big Mac and fries and a shake. You're not. You're not. How is it? Twenty dollars you're going to spend on that? Uh, somebody told me the other day they spent nineteen dollars at Taco Bell, just them themselves, one meal. Taco Bell used to have a dollar menu, right? You go over there and you could get like three burritos for three bucks. It was amazing. Uh, That was what, 20 minutes ago? Now you can't do that. Even the, the, it's a shame that I know all of this, but the 99 cent tacos at Jack in the Box, uh, they're at a buck 50 now. Anyway, the point is, is that there's always something deeper. There is something deeper in economics because of math, because of economic theory, because of the way the market works. Those are realities and if you want to live in truth, you got to be there. And the same thing is you got to be careful in the world of politics. You got to deal with what is the real issue here? What is what question am I being asked? Same thing is true in our faith. What question are we being asked? What are the questions that people really have about Christianity? And are we answering those things? And are we trustworthy enough in the culture to be trusted to be truthful whenever we get asked? First Timothy chapter three, verse 14, it says, although I have, I hope to come see you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Did you catch that part there? The pillar and foundation of the truth. 
That's a that is an incredible goal. That is something to aspire to as Christians. And I don't think it's hard. And I don't think, by the way, that that only is talking about the gospel, right? I don't think, you know, for sure, we're the pillar and foundation of truth. Ultimate truth is Jesus Christ. A great theology about that. All of human history points to Christ as that pillar and foundation. You know, in the beginning of the Gospel of John, and, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that great poetic thing that may be hard to understand. If you were Greek and you were living at the time of John when he wrote that, it's logos is that word, and it meant everything. It meant to a Greek person that word, word, meant the actual truth about everything. That's what that meant. And that's who Jesus is. And so as part of the, the Christian church, our goal is to make sure that Jesus is, is understood and preached and that people know who he is. That's the pillar of foundation and truth for sure. But flowing from that, we need to be as truthful as we can. We're not always going to be right. And we have opinions that are sometimes right and sometimes they're wrong. The, all, I think people understand that. But we've got to be careful about things that aren't true. And, you know, part of that is don't, don't you know, pursue uh, a lot of things that are merely conspiracy theories, or just acknowledge, hey, this is a theory. You know, this is a theory, and I'll fix it if it's wrong, or I'll, you know, pursue it further if the facts begin to back it up. I think that's fine. I think people are okay with that. You know, I think people don't like it, though. People know when people are pursuing things that are demonstrably false, you know, or they know when things are being stated as fact. And really, maybe not. In fact, somebody I met last night works for a fact a uh, fact finding organization, and they try to do fact checks on things. And I know, and even fact checkers are are under the suspicions these days because they're they can be biased. Or what they'll do is they'll take somebody's word for it, even though um, they there's more to the story than taking somebody's word for it. You know, for example, this is one of the conversations we had is the the Hunter Biden laptop. Everything about that turned out to be true or most of it. Uh, but, you know, three years ago, it was said, no, it's Russian interference and all these people said so. If you go to the fact checking websites at the time, they all agreed with that, but they agreed with something that really had no backing either. Really, we didn't know from a provable standpoint. Now, of course, all of that has changed. Um, there are all kinds of things. But for, for Christians, we need to be about what's true. And I think that means that we acknowledge when we're not sure. We acknowledge when it's opinion. We change our opinions when the evidence suggests that we are wrong or the facts come out and it says we're wrong. Sometimes that happens. And uh, that really matters a lot. Uh, that matters in how we approach the Scripture, uh, especially subjects that might be controversial or things that even scholars would disagree on. You acknowledge, you know, scholars disagree on this, but here's what I think. That's okay. Um, I think it matters because the world is looking for truth somewhere. You know, what I'm getting out of, uh, you know, what's happening in the world today and a lot of what I was thinking about. It's funny, when you get a little older, you start to look at, at people who are younger. I don't know when this happens, and it only happened maybe recently for me, but you start to look back and you worry less about the future. You don't like getting old and what that means, but you have a sense when you're dealing with people who might be, you know, in their early 20s or in their uh, teen years, you have a sense of what they're facing and what kinds of things are coming their way. And, you know, I think that's good. I think that's why we need to know people who are older than us. If you're 90, you got a sense of, for all the 60-year-olds out there, what's coming, right? And you think about that all the time. I'm in that mode. I'm not 90, not, not as far as you know. 
And, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm in that mood and I'm watching this and I'm going, what's the country going to be like? Do these people even know truth? I do have a sense that people are looking for truth and people are passionate about finding what is actually true. And for the church, they need to end up with us because we have the ultimate truth, Jesus Christ. And so it matters that we're as truthful as we can on everything. Uh, that always doesn't mean right. Like I said, sometimes we're not right. It's acknowledging that you're not right when you're not right. Uh, that's, that's part of being truthful. 888-528-2557, Pastor Scott Show. JT in Hermosa Beach, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, hi. I just want to bring up a point. Yeah. First of all, there was a time... Robert Kennedy Jr. said something I agree with. He was asked about this stuff, and he thinks it's absurd, the the hormone blockers and the sex change operations. You know, I liked his straightforwardness, and he was pointing out that there was a time, he said, when the adults that I knew, there was not one adult that would have even taken this seriously and that that would have accepted this, you you know, what's being fed on people today, and I agree with that. And people would have thought comedians would have made a joke about it, you know. The other thing is, how did, here's the question I have. And not just the young people, but how is it that the baby boomers and the pre-baby boomers over the last several decades didn't speak out against idiotic thinking that would have been dismissed by their elders when they were growing up? You know, or even dismissed even by some of them, when you think about it. Yeah, the, or, you know, I don't yeah, know how old you are, yeah. but, you know, the, a, lot of, uh, a lot of hippies yeah. would never, you know, their thinking at the time was not trust anybody over 30 and, you know, a lot right. of mistrust of the government and stuff like that. And now that some of those same people are saying you have to listen to the government, no matter what it is, even if it's absurd. Well, it's, it's, it, no, you're, you're right about that. And it's just like the cancel culture. When Rowan and Martin's Laughing was on, they were a hilarious show, number one rated show. They skewered everybody, the Smothers Brothers, Dean Martin's Variety Hour, the Roast, all of those great shows back then, all in the family. Um, and, and it's really sad that people that remember that we used to have a saying, I may not agree with you, but I'll defend your right to say it, there were, again, freedom of expressions. Now they support censorship yeah. and all this nonsense that we're talking about. But I'll say this. Thank God for the rapture and thank God for uh, for Jesus, because we do what we can in the meantime. And, you know, like you say, occupy till he comes. But we know that we we're not going to be, um, you know, consigned to his wrath like the non-believers. Thank God for that. Well, and the thing is, is that uh, the Lord is the same yesterday and today and forever. And that's, yes. that's why we put our hope there. Thanks for calling, JT. You're right. Uh, you Pastor Scott Show. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's what we always want to come back to is that our hope is in Christ. Well, all these changes, and JT's right, it's, it's a different time. In fact, uh, we may get to this tomorrow or on Monday, but statistics just came out on what the leading cause of death is for people. And it used to be car accidents if you're under about 44. Now it's uh, drug use and suicide. So there's, there's something to talk about. We've changed. You, you can't say that the culture hasn't changed in a dramatic way. This is why they need Christ. He is the answer. He doesn't change. His truth is always truth. And you know what? I think maybe revival is coming. Unless the Lord's coming back soon, revival may just be coming because I do believe people are looking for truth. That's what we're about here. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We're on every day from 3 to 5. You can follow us on social media. Just look for at Pastor Scott Show, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can get the podcast of our show. If you miss an hour, just subscribe to the Pastor Scott Show wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody, I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back with you tomorrow for Open Line Friday from 3 to 5. God bless. Good night. On uh, your, your internet device. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.